extend me some grace today if I kind of lean on a chair. Got one more hour after this as well, so we got to be ready to roll. So good to see you guys. I, uh, I remember, um, it's been a while now actually, walking out to the mailbox and uh, opening the mail and it's something from the uh, the bank that we had uh, financed our uh, our minivan through, and I was like, oh, what's this?" So uh, open it up, and there's the title. And I was like, "Wow! So that's what those look like." <laughs> so there's the title, and it came with a letter, and it said, "You know, right?" Hey, Mr. Wiles, we're pleased to inform you that your debt has been paid in full. And I, I looked at that, and I just kept looking at that, and I thought, wow, paid in full. That's awesome. And it felt so good. And I know many of you, have ex you've experienced that, that same thing, and, and it, it's just like, wow, this this weight, this burden, this nagging little thing behind you all the time, right? Gone. The Bible talks about a debt as well. And it's a debt uh, that is far more significant than any material thing that we might have a debt for, a house, uh, a car, you know, whatever. And, and the Bible talks about this debt, and it is a sin debt, a sin debt. And Paul would write about this in Romans 3.23, and he says, for the wages of sin is death. Wow, that's 6.23, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we ask ourselves, well, who has this sin debt before God? All of us. And what is the wage of that sin debt? Romans 6.23. It's death. Death. Uh, this, this, this sin, uh, this missing of the mark, this coming up, some, somewhere significantly short of the perfection and the holiness of God. Sin. Who has come up short? All of us. Who has the sin debt? All of us. And this puts us in a, in a situation where we begin to ponder well, how many uh, things on the good side do I got to do to cancel out the bad side? The Bible says you don't have any good to cancel out the bad side. The prophet Isaiah would say, even your best works are like a filthy rag to me. Wow. So this is a pretty intense situation that we find ourselves in. Because when the Bible speaks of death, it's not exclusively a physical death, but there is also a spiritual death, which is a separation from God now and forever. 
And in that sense, we begin to capture just a little bit of the significance of the horror of sin. As we come to our story today, we are in Luke chapter 7, and we are looking at verses 36 through 50. We encounter two debtors, two debtors. Each of these debtors encounter Jesus, and as they are encountering Jesus, Jesus tells them a story about two debtors. Just in case we miss the obvious of what was going on, Jesus said, I'm going to put in a little story here so that you all can, can get a picture of what's happening. So I have two debtors listening to a story about two debtors. Let's, let's listen in and, and see how this rolls out. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and, and, and putting perfume on them. And the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them, neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she, she's anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. A person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? 
He goes around forgiving sins. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We don't know what happened to Simon after that encounter with Jesus. Perhaps he was among some of the religious leaders that Luke records for us in the book of Acts that eventually did put their trust in Jesus. We don't know. We find a a scene here uh, that feels a little awkward to us, doesn't it? Hey, imagine going to your house, right, and you got some folks over for dinner, and somebody comes in, and they're like, you know, at somebody's feet, and you're going, what in the world is going on, right? Culturally, in their day, uh, people of substantial wealth would have these meals, and, and apparently the, uh, the town would know about who the guests of honor would be, and it was not uncommon for them to allow the townspeople to sit around the outside of the, the meal area and just kind of glean and listen to the incredible wisdom that would be coming from the table. So for them, having a group of folks that weren't necessarily reclining at the table and that would be, uh, uh, they would be laying down on their left arms and their feet would be behind them and they would be eating with their their right hands, okay? So you can get a picture of this scene. Well, Simon had uh, uh, invited uh, Jesus over for dinner, and word got out, and an immoral woman heard about it. We don't know, well, what's the nature of your immorality? It doesn't really matter, does it? She, uh, she had a reputation. People know and knew who she was and what she had been doing. And it certainly was in contradiction to the law and the word of God. And she certainly would have been uh, a, a social stay away from her. Probably had already been put out of the local synagogue and all those types of things that happen to tax collectors and sinners when they're not as good as the rest of us. Get them out. But she heard about Jesus. What stories might she have heard? It's a healer, it's a teacher. I'm not sure that would have inspired her to come that day. But when she heard that he was a friend of tax collectors and sinners, she couldn't stay away. She showed up, knelt at his feet, sobbing. Tears falling so fast and so furious, it functioned as a a faucet over his feet and able to clear the dust and and the dirt and the grime from walking around in the streets those days and using her hair as a towel, which certainly was not appropriate for a good woman in those days to have their hair down and loose and out. She didn't care. 
absolutely didn't care. All of you around the table, all of you around the walls, as far as I'm concerned, I don't even see you, your jeers and your looks and your judgment. I don't see it. I see him, just him. And I love him. And I don't care if I look like a fool by loving him. There are so many things that grow out of this story and oh boy, we could have a very long conversation and I, I just want to highlight a few and I, my hope and my prayer is that they resonate with you in such a way that there is a, a deep soul searching, a, a, a wonderful celebration, maybe even in your heart this day. Jesus, verse 40, answered his thoughts. Whose thoughts? Simon's thoughts. She's a sinner. See, Jesus didn't need, it, didn't need for him to say it. He, he knew his thoughts. He said Simon. Now, Simon is a very common word, a common name. There are nine Simons mentioned in Scripture, nine of them. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the name Mike around here. Okay. We got mics everywhere. They're everywhere. Mike, Michael, Mike, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, that's, that's, that was Simon in that day. And he is Simon the Pharisee, not Simon the leper, who we may recognize from another person washing Jesus' feet with tears and anointing. That was at the home of Simon the leper, a different woman, different moment in time. We don't know much about her at all other than this interaction with Jesus. But he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. In my studies this week, I came across that verse and I froze. Did you hear that? Jesus speaking, I have something to say to you. So ministry would hear Jesus say, hey, the one who has ears, let them hear. Let them hear. See, Jesus is prepared to speak to any who are prepared to listen. I've got something to say to you. And I said, oh, Lord, what do you got to say to me? I'm listening. And can I tell you, you just changed Simon and you put your name there. And the Lord is talking to you this moment at this time. I have something to say to you. Do we have ears to hear? What is his message? What does he want us to hear from him? I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. I, I am the good shepherd. My sheep, they know my voice. What's his, what's his word to you today? 
Some of us need to hear, I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. I hear you. I know. Some of us need to hear the words, where are you going? You've taken a hard turn in the journey. Stop. Turn back. Some of us need to hear, I came for you. My journey to the cross was about you. Please come. Come to me, all of you, he said, who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. What's affecting your hearing these days? Jesus has something to say to any of those who are listening. My mom just got her hearing aids, and we're all kind of glad about that. <laughs> the shouting and the repeating and all of that, now her hearing's a little more clear. And she's finally, she's, yeah, I'm glad I got them, you know. What, uh, what's affecting your hearing? It's in the way between you and the voice of the Lord today. A bitter heart, sin in our lives, uh, just consumed with activity. I don't know, but you do. Can we take some time this week to address that hearing problem, each of us, so that when he speaks, we say, go ahead, Lord. Your servant is listening. Hmm. Verse 38, 41 through 43. She shows up in verse 38 in front of this crowd and she doesn't care and she's cleaning his feet and pouring out her alabaster jar that she would carry around her neck. Very, very expensive perfume. Just put it on his feet. Jesus tells the story of 41 through 43, and Simon, uh, the one who is very much, uh, you know, who's this Jesus guy or whatever, yeah, he says, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt, and Jesus said, you're right. You're right. What is, what is Jesus wanting us to hear? You see, only those only those who understand and appreciate how awful sin is will come to a place where they understand how awesome Jesus is. Until we understand and appreciate the abject horror of sin, the, 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 the absolute way that it has twisted humanity into the mess that it is in, the consequences of it all over, and, and, and we battling it in our own hearts as well until we appreciate that it is sin that has 
put that barrier between us and a holy God. It is sin that has that we deserve a place in hell. It is sin that will keep us out of heaven. It is sin that has marred and marked and disfigured anything and everything that is good. God's creation in our lives has been perverted by sin and it is horrible in the sight of God. Until we understand how horrible sin is, we will not understand how awesome Jesus is. Until we see sin from the perspective of God, we won't understand his justice. We won't appreciate the judgment necessary and required for such a hideous thing as sin. Oh, but those who do, those who understand, those who recognize the sin debt, they will fall at his feet with tears and they will weep. Oh, Jesus, you died for me. You, you gave up everything. You left heaven. You embraced humanity. You endured the scorn of those you created and you loved. You suffered. You bled and you died. And the worst, the worst by far, that on that cross, he became sin for us in a way I can't understand, much less explain. The father turned his back. That is the worst of the cross. Oh, Jesus. I love you. Do you understand her tears? Do you appreciate her absolute abandonment to the things of this whole world? Perfume. This is Jesus. My Savior. The only one who could deal with my sin debt is right here. the last time you were at the feet of Jesus weeping with gratitude does our sin produce a yawn or a tear I so love my many conversations I get to have with so many of you and I hear you share your story about how Jesus changed your life. He brought you from darkness to life. And as you share the story, I see your eyes well up with tears. And the tears stream down your face. My Jesus, he died for me. He saved me. Mm-hmm.
the end, near the end, verse 44 through 46. Jesus pointed out to Simon that he didn't even really extend just basic fundamental courtesies of the day to Jesus. He kind of figured that Jesus was just kind of lucky to be in his house. I'm not going to have anybody wash his feet. I'm not going to anoint his head with oil. I'm not going to give him the, the greeting of the kiss. No way. Wouldn't even afford Jesus just basic common courtesy. Hmm. Simon is a picture of so many these days, so many. He opened his house to Jesus, but he didn't open his heart. Jesus, you're a curiosity, and I'll hedge my bets, and if you really are the son of God, I'll say, yeah, I believe in you, I'll climb in a baptismal tub, yeah, whatever. Whatever. I'll invite you into my house. But you aren't going to change my life. You're not going to impact the way that I live, the way that I love, the way that I do anything. You're welcome in my house. You're welcome in the foyer. But don't even think about coming in to the kitchen. You see, we, we just want a little bit of Jesus. Just give me a mm, third of a pound of Jesus. That'll be enough. Just enough to make me feel good and assuage some of those fears I might have in the darkest of nights. Just a little bit of Jesus. One of the most sobering, I think, things that Jesus said. He was talking about Judgment Day and said this. Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, I got his name right. Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we do all these incredible things in your name? And Jesus will say, and I will look at them, and I will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. Oh, you invited me into your house, but you didn't invite me into your heart. Where is Jesus in your life. His desire, his love is for all of us. His, his work of grace and mercy, his dying is for all of us. He doesn't want any of us to perish and head off into eternity separated from him. It's the last thing he wants. And the decision, the choice is, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to respond? Oh, I, 
I too often I catch I catch a spirit in me that is not what I want to not where I need to be. And I get on my knees and say, oh, Jesus, I'm so sorry. All of me. All of me. Not holding this little closet off to the side. I want you to change my life. I want to go with you every moment of every day. You bled for me. You gave up your life. You died so that I could have your life. Oh, it's the resurrected breath of Jesus in the life of the one who genuinely surrenders. The story invites us to consider very deeply where we are with the Lord today. Very deeply. A lot of soul searching. And this response this of this immoral woman as if any of us are moral right this immoral woman to Jesus she knew who she, he was she knew who he was and she loved him for it it's our love quotient for Jesus today Father I thank you for the incredible challenge of your word. I thank you for the truth and I thank you that there is a hope, there is a promise, there is an invitation, there is a good news message here that all of us can truly enter into a saving relationship with you. We can live in this space where we are hearing and listening to your voice every single day of our lives. We can keep short accounts with you on our knees, asking your forgiveness. Oh God, we can know you. To know you is eternal life. To know you is to live our best life. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of the story, um, you see, Jesus loved them both. He came to Simon's house because he loved Simon. It's one thing to say, love your enemies. It's another to go to their house and have dinner, isn't it? He loved them both, but only one, listen, only one walked away that day, moved from hell to heaven. Only one moved from despair to hope. Only one who was buried in debt left a debtor no more. Because only one chose to place their faith in Jesus. Our best life is not going to be experienced now or later as long as our sin debt remains.
It's a debt we can't pay. It's a debt only Jesus can pay for us. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus would say, whoever, whoever believes in me, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Begs the question, saved from what? Saved from an eternity separated from God? Saved from experiencing the judgment for our own sin? Whoever does not believe, and that word, believe, and the word that she says she put her, your faith has saved you, it, it's the same one, it just pops up as either believe, trust, or faith. Both are volitional words, I will trust in Christ, his promises, and his word, and I will live a follower's life. Mm. Whoever does not believe is, present tense, as we sit here, condemned already. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. The Lord did not want any of us to be confused about the horror of sin. He didn't want any of us to be confused about the high price attached to it. He never wants anybody to be confused about the fact that he has done what is necessary to pay yours off and mine.